Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The author is Shelley Green Baker, who joins me from Nevada and uh, has written a book titled Double Wow. Joining me today, welcome, Shelley. Thank you so much. This is your first novel that you have uh, published, not the first one you've written, from what I'm understanding. Tell me a little of your background. Uh, did you always have a desire to be an author, or were you just uh, full of imaginative ideas and just wanted to share them with people? Well, to be honest with you, um, I started writing because my children were young and playing in the pool in the backyard, and I, I needed something to keep myself busy. And I loved to read, and I would read so many novels, and I thought, gosh, I could write something along this line, or, or maybe even better. And so I picked up a pad and paper, and I'd hand write it out, and then when the kids would go to bed at night, I would put it into the computer and... That's how I started. Well, it sounds like double work, but uh, if, if it gets it done, that's that's important. Were there other authors that you admired or wanted to emulate uh, their success? Well, I love Jude Devereaux and Judith McNaught and um, a few others, but my, my story is more of a Western, and theirs are historical also, but um, I just... I don't know. I just love to read a lot of different authors. And the very first author I ever read was um, Danielle Steele in high school, and I got really hooked on her. But hers were never Westerns. Um, I don't know what made me, made me decide on this Western. Well, it's interesting. This is uh, set in the nineteen early 1900s, if I understand the storyline. Is that correct? Correct. And I um, used to live in El Dorado County, and there's so much history in that area with the discovery of gold and um, I love that that area, so that's where I set the presence of this book. Your main character, his name is Chad, but there's also Correct. obviously a young lady involved in this story. Can you share some of it without giving away the uh, the whole story? I think I can. Um, Katrina, she's a spunky tomboy that lives on a cattle ranch in the early 1900s, and she likes to ride along with the men, never to be outdone, because she's not one to be kept in the kitchen. And Chad being the foreman on the cattle ranch, by her riding along with the men, she gets to see him every day. Now, he finds her to be a punky pesk underfoot for the most part. Mm. But she's got a handful of brothers that like to play practical jokes on her all the time. And you can't feel sorry for her because she gives back just as good as she gets. And the most recent practical joke they play on her puts her in harm's way, and they leave her at the old watering hole. And they leave her without her pistol and without her horse to walk home at dusk. And it's about a three-mile walk. She finds it to be funny. She starts giggling. They, they pulled a good one on her. But then she's tackled from behind. And she's fighting for her life. And she's tackled by Silver Ghost, who is an Indian in the, in the story. Hmm. And he at first thinks he's tackling a young man. But her hat falls off and her hair falls out. And he finds out that she's a woman. And he's instantly attracted to her beauty. Hmm. Now, Chad finds himself having to go and rescue her one more time. He's had to rescue her multiple times because of the jokes the brothers play on her. But in this instance, he finds himself having to get together a group of men and go out and find her. And when they do, they're all absolutely shocked at what they see because she's filling out a squaw's dress in all the right places and her hair is hanging down to her knees. And they just can't believe that this is the same person that they just saw a week ago turned into a woman overnight that that's the and, that's the genesis of the story pretty much i mean that's maybe the initial surprise would that be the way to describe that they're all very surprised this this tomboy that kept herself in boys britches and her breast bound and her hair tucked up in, into a hat was a woman overnight before their eyes and it was a shocker how long did it take you to to outline or or flesh out the story well, I'll be honest with you. I didn't write it this way to begin with. I had met an author years before um, when I had taken my kids to the lake to play in the water, and she saw me reading a book, and she walked over and introduced herself to me. And um, she invited me to go to a writer's guild, and on the way home, she said, tell me a little bit about your book. And so I did, and she said, you can't write it that way. She said, the <laughs> the the heroine cannot fall in love with an abductor. They fall in love with the hero. And hmm. so I had to get my head around that, and it took me a couple years to change my story. Now, once I did, I fell in love with it all over again, but it's not how I originally wrote the book. 
and I believe it came out a lot better this way, but it was written um, quite differently to begin with. Interesting. You're, you're, uh, describe the, uh, the one person, if you were to describe the, the reader that is going to be attracted to this storyline, uh, who would that be? Is it, is it strictly going to be ladies? Is it going to appeal to what's called a chick flick, a chick flick, a, ch- a chick story? Or is this going to uh, be attractive to guys too? It's not just a romance novel. This is a Western. It's full of um, sibling rivalry, abduction, deception, struggle, triumph, loyalty, romance. It has all of it in there. I've had several male readers read it and give me reviews. My reviews have been outstanding, by the way. My reviews have been, it's a page turner. You can't put it down and they can't wait for the sequel. And my most um, recent professional review I got from Pacific um, Book Review, they basically, the one line in there that just through me was she hit it out of the park. Wow. So I got a home run on this one. And so I was just so excited. I was trying to read it on the computer to my husband and I was getting really choked up because they wrote such a beautiful review for me. So my husband came over to read it behind me. And next thing I know, he's blowing his nose because he's crying too. Wow. (laughs) I'm going to get choked up talking about it right now. But um, no, this, this book is both for men and women alike. It's a Western romance. And about 180 pages. Uh, that's a, a an excellent start for a writing career, I would say. And uh, has it encouraged you to maybe visit some of the other stories you've written and uh, and flesh those out as well? Well, um, I have those put aside because right now I am working on the sequel to this, which is called A Wee One of His Own. So it happens to be about Katrina's twin brother, Bo. So I'm I, what my my dream for this book is to become a TV miniseries. I believe we need more westerns, more family shows. I feel like this could be along the line of Little House on the Prairie or Doctor Queen Medicine Woman, Wind Calls the Heart. Those those that genre. Um, I, I just I truly believe that this could be a cute western for a TV series. Well, fabulous! If that ever happens, be sure and call me. I play a great horse. Um, I mean, <laughs> now the. The the uh, uh, the challenges of writing this uh, again. You said you had uh, about a two year period. You went back and revisited the storyline and adjusted it, and uh, it turned out to be a good decision. I think so. I think so. Was there anything else? I know you know as a creative, sometimes you 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 finish something and you're never quite done with it. You you the great thing about this is you have a sequel in the works, so you can scratch that itch as well. Exactly. And I've actually already mapped out another sequel and another sequel. I mean, this could just go on forever because there are so many characters in the book that I could just continue it. She's got a handful of brothers that all have to fall in love eventually, correct? I guess so. That's true. <laughs> the, the title is interesting, Double Wow. Um, that must have a significance to you and uh, should it to the reader. Sure. It's, it's a, a portion in the book where... Um, they kiss, and um, one of them says, wow, wow and then yeah. the other one turns around and says, no, double wow. Hmm. And they said that in the 1900s. I guess they did. <laughs> um, I didn't know they, they were allowed now. to express themselves. <laughs> this is uh, something that's been well-received so far. Katrina is 19 years old, the, the main character, correct? Correct. And is this story something that would uh, appeal to younger audiences as well? Absolutely. I have a friend that I asked her 17-year-old daughter if she would read it, and she said, Shelly, please don't make me read this. I hate to read. And I said, I just want to know if it would capture a teenager's attention. And she said, do I have to read the whole thing? I said, just a couple chapters. That's all I'm asking. Mm -hmm. That night, her mom went to her room, and she told her three times, Jesse, you need to turn the light out and go to bed. And she says, Mom, I just want to read the book. (laughs) At 9 o'clock the next morning, she called me, and she said, Shelly, I finished your book. I said, what? Wow. She said you didn't even like to read. She says, I know, but she says I couldn't put it down. And she says it's such a great story. And that is exactly what I'm getting from so many people. They pick it up. Um, Christina Gee, who happens to also be a radio show um, talk host, she's inviting me to come over on to her um, talk, show host, uh, talk show also. Um, she picked it up. She read it till 10 p.m. She laid down and told herself she had to go to sleep because she had to work the next day. She turned the light back on because she couldn't get the book out of her head. She wanted to know what happened next. So she read until 2 a.m. 
And then she couldn't wait to finish the book from that point, but she had to get some sleep because she had to work. So that is the way my book has been going. Everybody has been telling me, you pick it up and you don't want to put it down. You just want to know what's happening next. That's impressive. I have, as I mentioned, interviewed a lot of authors, and some of them are struggling to get one or two family members to read it. I am a creative, and my family members don't necessarily adapt to what I create. So that is a commendation that's that's well received. You you, uh, how do you find time to do all this? Uh, this seems like a very all encompassing pursuit. It is, and I do work as an a, a office manager for three offices that do take up a lot of my time from 6 a.m. to a minimum of 4 p.m. daily, but I make myself find the time in the evenings. Um, a lot of times my husband's working late into the night, so it, it allows me to have time then. Um, on the weekends, um, he'll, he's in construction, so he'll do a side job here and there, so I'll have the weekends to work on it also, but um, I just make myself find the time, you know. That's that's commendable. I uh, I've talked to some authors that take twenty years to get their first novel completed, and uh, you are obviously on track to to uh, make uh, make it a, a series that will hopefully last for a long time and keep you busy. This um, in completing this, uh, what would you say would be the way to describe this to uh, a fresh listener that perhaps is not familiar with your work or wants to find out more about this book? Well, if you like uh, an adventure or something to escape in, this is the perfect book to escape in. I had a woman tell me that she just took it out to the pool to read a couple chapters, and she got so engrossed in it, she got scorched because she was out there way longer than she anticipated (laughs) she was going to be out. So be prepared to get engrossed in the book and enjoy it. And um, I've had people tell me I just have a way of bringing the characters alive, that the characters are so likable you want to get to know each and every one of them. Um, I, I just, I love the reviews that I've been getting. Um, and I'm looking forward, I want my next goal right now is to get my hundred reviews on Amazon because once I do, they, um, put me in their bestsellers list and I take my book to the movie industry on October 14th or 13th, I'm sorry, to pitch it to, um, producers to possibly become a TV miniseries. And so that's what I'm striving for. If I could have that endorsement that I am a bestseller on um, Amazon, that would be ideal. <laughs> that's incredible. Now, listeners, so the title of the book again is Double Wow. My author, Shelley Green Baker. Shelley, my listeners need to get a copy of this and they need to support you on Amazon. How do they do so? They can go on to Amazon.com and purchase it. All you do is in the little bar put... Um, book Double Wow, and my book is the first one that pops up. You'll see a woman with long blonde hair sitting on a rock in the creek um, with a blue cover, and that's my book. Go ahead and purchase it there. That's excellent. And has a website been developed yet? Yes. Um, it's www.shellygreen-baker.com. And Shelly is spelled with two L's and an I and an E. Correct. So the creative spelling. Well, I don't know if it's creative. It's, my it's the my spelling. dad was Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-I-E, mm-hmm. so he wanted a Shelley with an I-E. Well, he did a good job. Uh, you have a distinctive name and a wonderful book. Shelley Green-Baker is has been my guest. Again, the title of the book, Double Wow. We look forward to visiting with you in the near future and uh, discussing the next in this series. And best of luck in October as you visit the... Uh, the um, Hollywood field, and uh, hopefully this will maybe branch out and become a, a, a series on television. Look forward to visiting with you later. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. For Ex Libras On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libras returns after these short messages. Have you heard... The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. 
Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Earthen Vessel, subtitled Poetry, Prose, and Spirit. Joining me is author Patricia H. Marino, Ph.D. Dr. Marino, welcome to the program. Good morning, and thank you so much for this. Oh, well, pleasure to visit with you. Is this the first book that you've written? It is not. Um, Earthen Vessel uh, is kind of like um, subsequent to a much earlier uh, privately published Touch Me. And uh, so this is my, uh, my hope to reach a much broader audience and appeal. Share a little of your background. Have you always had the desire to... Uh, uh, put things into print? I mean, be an author, for example. Well, um, I'm, I'm a retired educator uh, at this point, but um, when I was actually still single and much younger, I did uh, publish that first book, so I've always kind of wanted to reach out to people and encourage and motivate them. I have a very wide storyteller streak down my back, so I love... Uh, connecting with people um, a lot through poetry uh, and so in my own this is uh, Earthen Vessel it's, um, these are classic pieces that I would call that have stood the test of time and, and some newer ones as well Well, expl- Explain to my listeners a little of the uh, content of your book uh, the the title of course is, is one that is uh, something that many people can relate to you have uh, the title Earthen Vessels or earthen vessel, excuse me, and uh, you have uh, declared that it is uh, poetry, prose, and spirit. How does that mix together? What uh, what would you say would describe your book the best? Well, uh, actually, poetry, prose, and spirit. I call it earthen vessel after there's a piece in the book uh, with that actual title, and it is one of my most inspirational pieces. I recite it to myself sometimes alone just to encourage myself. It kind of came forth out of my spirit um, at a, almost the way you see the way it is in the book. It just came out pretty much like that. I just formed it like it is. And um, and so that, that piece has become, I chose it to be the title because I, in my heart, it is the the most oh what's what's a good word uh, the most core I guess to the artist and the poet and communicator that I am and so I took that poem made it the central piece for uh, this proud achievement I am very proud of this book um, and I I there's poetry in it uh, some of it is secular some of it is more spiritual. Uh, some of them, some of the pieces are stories from uh, relationships uh, in my life that uh, have that I express as as a writer. Um, that creative part of me, I'm not always thinking of myself as a writer. I kind of have to write mm. to get things out. And so, you know, you live long enough and say, you know, some of this is good enough for somebody to read, other than me. Yes. <laughs> That's how we have the book. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you quote or, or often recite this poem to yourself to motivate you. Would you uh, share that perhaps uh, with the audience? Can you do so without uh, having to to reference it in your book? I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Okay. My goodness. I feel good today. Like Everything that 
belongs to me is new. Put together with a special glue, it makes an earthen vessel feel everlasting through. Good is true and grateful that a pot all cracked and chipped, leaking so badly it could be used to sift. Finally, slipped into the saving hands of the master potter, whose greatest delight is repairing cracked, leaky pots that make a mournful sight. The master potter, when he finds a cracked pot at his doorway, gently lifts it to his loving breast, wiping away all of the dust and dirt, digging out all the crust and hurt, till his eyes behold the original design that the Father put there in the beginning of time. The master potter every design discerns distinct and he cherishes more for individual work, and so, without delay, with his father's clay, he rebuilds the pot inside out. He fills every leak with clay of truth, releasing zest and youth, and then bottom up, well, he fills every crack with forgiveness, so that Love may be given back. Oh, and where chunks are missing, here and there, he molds in clay of redeeming care. And with hands of mercy, he smooths and he smooths it and then fires it through with the Holy Spirit. He selects paints and brushes just the right shade and hair that true joy and real peace be reflected there. The master potter, when his work is finished, does not remember how came to him the beautiful earthen vessel he places at his father's feet that he might say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Well, as a cracked pot, I enjoyed that. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's beautifully done and, and uh, very insightful, I would say, also. Uh, do all of your poems have that uh, that type of lilt and uh, and focus? Well, uh, not all that that focus. Um, that the, the 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 three pieces I have at the beginning of the book are I, I the theme is adoration, so they have more that focus. But the other four do not, um, and uh, some of them are quite uh, secular. Um, but um, but that. That's you. That's how I present. I I really do try to engage people with, you know, the visions and 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 that I have tried to portray that are in the poem. And so uh, that's me presenting. Uh, people have said they that they describe me as reminiscent of Maya, and I she's one of my favorite my favorite poets because she's so natural and so just direct and so that's an honor but i have my own style and mm. so i appreciate that reference well you definitely uh, definitely have a uh, dramatic flair in uh, delivering your your message uh, do you have anything on video have you done video or do you do public uh, public speaking engagements that that uh, reflect uh, your content I, of your book yeah i absolutely do i have um um a new promotional video because uh, I did a, a book launch uh, in June, 
and uh, I had a, 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 I'm I'm proud of it because I did an initial one that I didn't like, but but this one I like. It's promotional, and there's two. There's one uh, that's general, and then there's one uh, from the actual launch event. So there are two, and they have me performing. And I might add that in the book itself, if you get the ebook version, uh, it it actually has three uh, links to me live performing pieces live. So there are some in the book. If you go to my website, um, there is, um, you know, there are several there as well. And and so well, that's there a, are links. That's excellent. That's and I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely hoping to, uh, uh, the exposure will give me some uh, opportunities to, to, to speak in other places. I'm excited about that. Part. Well, that's so, you, I think I think you would be a, a, a wonderful uh, addition to any event if uh, if it uh, if they needed a speaker. I would certainly uh, commend you and recommend you. Uh, from what I'm hearing at this point, you uh, th- how long did it take? Now, this these are our compilations. Is this something that has uh, been an occurrence or a compilation of uh, many years of work, or is this something that was yeah. recent? Wait, no, well, some of them are recent. Uh, but a number of them are, as I mentioned, uh, they're what I would have become, in my opinion, classics because they stood the test of time from the earlier publication of Touch Me, which is as far back as 1982. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and, and Earth and Vessel was in that book, okay? Uh, but, but these pieces have stood the, the test of time. I still perform them. I still, they still... Um, I still am able to bless audiences and performances, even young people. It, generationally, it doesn't matter. I appeal to the young and the diverse. It, it, it's it's cross cultural, and that's kind of like where I come from. I'm a I'm a cross cultural person. Uh-huh. Uh, although I must say, my my favorite one of my favorite poets is Paul Lawrence Dunbar, and I'm I'm known as artist of the story grind because I perform poetry. I don't just recite it. Mm. And I, I love Dunbar's pieces, and uh, but my own are uh, some of them are just uh, about life in general, um, and so and so some are old, but I have newer pieces. One of the one of the poems that tells the story is about a couple that got married a couple of years ago, and um, it's just a beautiful poem. But it kind of tells the story of how they met and how they strayed apart, and and it's, it's just a beautiful piece and. Uh, one is about uh, one of the stories that I have in the book uh, in poetry form is uh, uh, the story of forgiveness be- in the relationship between me and my mother, and uh, and so there 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 is a variety. I have quite a variety. It's it sounds uh, and it it is a a wonderful reflection of not only your life but it's something that all of my listeners can relate to in in the content of your book. What do you want the reader to take away from this uh, this work? You've got just a little over 100 pages, but uh, again, they're very um, reflective in the approach to life. Well, what I want um, readers, I'm hoping to inspire, um, inspire people to... Um, and not only be inspired by my, the inspiration of my original poetry and my admonition to try to, to, to coax and enjoy uh, the reader to a place of their own reflection. But I'm also hoping that people will come away from Earthen Vessel and they close it, and yes, they've engaged in the different, because uh, inter- it's interactive, um, but I'm also hoping that they will be inspired to a point where they say, you know, I'd like to do this too. Hmm. I'd like to begin recording my own reflections and maybe kind of like Dr. Marino in their own personal style or whatever, that they would uh, have the courage to put it out there so that it will survive past themselves, uh, so that it will not only pass themselves, but I'm really reaching to such a much broader audience than where I live in upstate New York and uh, I'm a person, I love going to conferences, and I love being with people who are trying to make a difference in the world. But this book, I'm hoping, will be my kind of casting out uh, a fishing hook, in a, say, in a sense, that, that I'll get feedback and people say, well, the book helped me and inspired me this way, and, 
and I have poems that I wrote and some that I, you know, I'm just hoping that it will in, encourage others by my example to maybe do something similar as well as contribute to their personal development and where they are right now because that's what the book uh, seeks to do. Well, that's beautiful. Uh, uh, beautiful. The title again is Earthen Vessel. Poetry, Prose, and Spirit, and my guest author has been Dr. Patricia H. Marino. And uh, Dr. Marino, where can my listeners get a copy of your book? Well, they can go to um, patriciahmarino.com, www.patriciahmarino.com, and they can also go to uh, my my website, pathmarkinnovations.com, www.pathmarkinnovations.com. And there's a link. There's a link on both of those pages, and they can purchase the book from either the book's website, patriciahmarino.com, that's the book's website, or they can go to my website, which also has a link to the book website. So that's how they can get it. And uh, I'd love, love, love for people to get back to me on the blog page. The website has a blog page, and just let me know if they want to reach out to me, if they want me to speak at an event. Uh, there's a phone number there that I can be reached at. It's not in my head, actually. That phone number is 585-348-8196. That's my work number, and I will get back to them within a very short period of time. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Doc. Thank you, Dr. Marino, for joining me today and sharing your story. And uh, my presumption is that you have other works in the work. Is that correct? I absolutely do. I I have um, a book called uh, My Next book is going to be called Digging Deep, and because um, and, I do uh, presentations on self, self-sabotage. self I actually mm. have one on the Institute of Coaching that's Harvard-affiliated. I have a, a, a video of doing a presentation on that and a little blog. And so I'm looking forward to my next work will be uh, taking that book from that kind of self-sabotage, because I coach, I'm a coach, and taking that, and that will be my next publication and um, and I also have one that's ready to take off that just with um, teaching best, best practices, uh, a group of uh, 20 other people that I've uh, connected with, and we're writing on best practices in, uh, uh, for successful classroom engagement today. Well, that's exciting. You, you, you will be, I guess, interviewed again in the future when this next book is released, and I, I appreciate not only your taking time to visit with me, but also the content of your book. Again, the title is Earthen Vessel, Poetry, Prose, and Spirit, and your local bookseller, and I'm sure Amazon and others will be carrying this. You Barnes can do it. Sobel, Absolutely. Amazon, yes. You, uh, and you can, can get it on both of those. Yes. And, and Ex Libris. Ex Libris also, yes. And you can, can do a search under Patricia H. Marino and find uh, this and other works that will uh, come out in the future. Thanks again for sharing your story with us today. All right. Thank you, Jay. My pleasure for Ex Libris on Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Sailing Through the Storms of Seizures, Living with Epilepsy, Recovering from Brain Surgery, and Being a Caregiver. And joining me from the Carolinas is the author of this book and and a very important book, John Sadler. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you. This book, as I have talked before recording, I've mentioned to you that this is a book that probably is needed by a major part of the 
uh, of the populace. You personally have experienced this uh, this situation with seizures. Was it just in your life, or was it also in your your son? Uh, no, it's just with me. Um, apparently, my seizures were probably caused by a fever when I was four years old that uh, did a uh, damage in my brain. And uh, then over the years, with more uh, injuries and uh, seizures themselves, caused more damage. Uh, and with the about forty years later, I had to have surgery to get uh, to get my seizures under control. That that's an incredible journey. Now, this started when you were young. Did you say four years old or so? Yes, I was four years old and had a real high fever, uh, and it caused, like I said, I had a seizure while, uh, and for about it lasted about uh, eight eight hours or so. Wow! Uh, and I, I, I wrote about that in my book. It was interesting because. Uh, the person who it really affected the most was my sister and my parents, because back in those days, back in the 60s, uh, epilepsy was, uh, people with epilepsy were pretty much labeled, and it was a major thing if you were dealing with it or living with it. And and uh, I'm surprised, I guess, uh, or also shocked by the uh, the fact that it was an eight-hour event. Uh, my impression was it's something that happens very quickly and is over in a couple, three minutes, but that's not the case. Uh, in my in my first time, that's correct. And a lot of times, uh, seizures, and I try to explain this in the book, I talk about the different types of seizures and um, how they go, the three stages of the seizure, the, the pre, they call it the ictal stage is the, the major stage of a seizure, but there's the pre-ictal where people have weird feelings or uh, they just uh, have sensations or something telling them something's coming on. And then the seizure itself, I try to explain in the book about the different types of seizures that you'll witness. I try to educate people about those. And then there's the post-ictal stage, which is after the seizure uh, as the brain is resetting itself. So people a lot of times are confused or angry or just they sleep a lot, uh, depending on the type of seizure they have. So, I'm, again, I'm trying to educate people about what happens during seizures. Yes. And I've used very, uh, several uh, cases of other people, uh, along with myself, of the what happens during the seizures. And another major thing I get into is trying to uh, help people understand what to do with the first aid type of thing. But the other thing, biggest piece of it, though, is not only does the person who has the seizure need first aid, but quite often the people who witness it uh, will, will also need some kind of uh, first aid. Uh, a lot of that is simply education and letting them know that the person will be okay. Yes. Uh, there, I would think in family situations, there would be the equivalent of PTSD uh, when these events like a grand mall and others uh, occur. Very much so. In fact, um, my older sister, who was eight years old when I had my, my seizure, uh, I even quoted her in the book, some things that she experienced with it. Um, and she actually went into nursing and all. And part of it was because of what she witnessed with my seizures. Amazing. And yet it didn't hold you back on a career, if I understand your history. Did you uh, also find uh, a an opportunity in the military, or was that someone else in your book? Um, actually, what I did, I went to work for the military. Um, I am... Uh, the military would don't allow people who have seizures work for them or right. become uh, enlist is what I'm trying to say. Correct. So what I did was I went to work as a civil servant. I worked for the Department of the Navy for about eight years, and then I worked for the Department of the Army for about 24 years. Uh, in your in your in your so history, also, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say I was. The other thing I try to do is, uh, is I share my experiences with what work stress did to me as far as triggering seizures, too. I was, so, again, there's, yeah. uh, again, I try to explain people how to start understanding the triggers to seizures, um, not just the cause. Um, the cause is usually, like we mentioned, I had a fever, other, and I get into various other causes. Um, and the uh, biggest one of the biggest triggers, then, is things like stress or traveling or um, those types of things, changes in a person's environment and all. 
Hmm. So again, I'm trying to again. That's the whole beginning of the book is education uh, about what seizures are and what triggers seizures. As you began your journey and uh, worked your way through this, uh, did the seizures become less often or more often? Well, actually, what, for many years, my seizures were controlled with medications. Hmm. Uh, when I was first diagnosed, there were only three medications available. Uh, Later on, when I, uh, I started having breakthrough seizures, um, more medications were being developed for people with epilepsy. And my doctor would, you know, say, hey, let's try something new. Let me double up your medications. And I went through about 11 different medications, uh, and my seizures progressively got worse. Wow. Um, and for quite a while, I could go for two, maybe three years without a seizure with a new medication that I would... Uh, have a breakthrough seizure, and they're going to try something new. But eventually we ran out of medications, and I was having, instead of like a seizure once every three or four years, I started having seizures. I started having three to four seizures a week. Ouch. And, yeah, that was, a lot of it was uh, because of the number of seizures I had and the stress I was under. Um, and, I, and that's when I elected that when I'm at the age of 46 to have brain surgery where they actually took out a section of my left temporal lobe, which um, and my we call it the hippocampus. I call, refer to that as your RAM of a computer, mm-hmm. is the RAM of your brain. Um, so kind of get into the recovery of that and what it took to recover and get going again. Okay. The left side of the brain is also the engineering side of me, so it took some time to, to uh, figure out how to get things to work again. Wow. The uh, the aspects of a seizure, you you could, at least in your past, uh, have a, an indicator that it might be occurring or might be on the horizon. Uh, I was curious whether you were uh, an automobile driver. Uh, what was the situation with that? What is the medical uh, constraints or are there uh, with those who have or, or face epilepsy? Well, uh, as far as driving goes, um, back when I was first diagnosed and all, um, typically you lost your driver's license for at least a year mm. before you came and before they found a treatment that worked for you and you had no signs of any more seizures. So you had to be a year seizure-free. Um, in the state of North Carolina uh, today, those rules have changed. And even though you have seizures, if they only occur like in your sleep or you have um, that premonition or that, we call it that pre-ictal state where you can easily, you feel something happening and you can drive and get to a safe place, you have time to do it, mm. um, you can still drive. Your wow. driving is limited, but you can still drive. And driving was one of my biggest concerns because mm-hmm. trying to work and have raise a family and all, uh, it was pretty important I'd still be able to get from one place to another on my own. So driving was a big one of the biggest stressors for me. I do talk about in the book having seizures while driving, and one of them that really got to me and helped me define whether I should have surgery or not um, was when my two boys were in, the tr- in my truck with me. And one of them had to take his seatbelt off and climb over and get his foot on the brake wow. to stop the vehicle. That's amazing. He was, he was about 14 at the time. Mm. Your recovery, uh, the surgery obviously was uh, at least successful to begin with. Is it still successful? And uh, I understand that uh, beyond that, you decided to go back to school. Is that also correct? Yes, it is. Uh, however, the surgery, I was the first engineer, someone of that level of education, to go through the surgery at Johns Hopkins Hospital right. in Baltimore, Maryland. And they uh, they were excited because to have somebody in my level and then also to be working on the side of the brain that was my primary side for my work, they were really interested to see and hear how things uh, went for me. Unfortunately, I had two breakthrough seizures uh, the first year. They also, they also knew that surgery, usually you go about two years before your brain fully recovers. Mm. Unlike breaking your arm or you know having some other kind of surgery where it takes like six weeks for it to reset or the, your body to heal, the brain can take up to um, 
well, two years to kind of reset, and it can take about, it took me about 10 years before my mental abilities really recovered. That's an amazing journey. In addition, in addition to your story, you have shared the story of others in your book. Which of those stories will be one that stands out to the reader, do you think? I, you have one about uh, someone with spina bifida and some other uh, debilitating diseases uh, that are, are highlighted in your book. Which of those do you think is going to grab the reader or inspire That's them? That's a good question. Um, I think it'll depend on what the reader's dealing with. Uh, something like spina bifida, to see it's a, a young man walk like the way he did and to continue to function and graduate in high school in the top of his class wow. was pretty impressive. And that was during a time frame that I was trying to recover from my surgery. And I, I could see what he could do, and I was watching him, and I was just so motivated then that, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. Um, that was kind of my attitude. Well, and there were other people that I started to meet um, that I also mentioned about uh, an, a fellow coworker of mine who had a four-year-old child who had uh, intractable seizures, which are they couldn't control them. And when he heard my story, it gave him. He even talked about having hope that his child would do better and get better. Um, so those were just that was one of the first ones that really inspired me to start moving from hiding my epilepsy uh, to being more open about it. Uh, um, your your journey certainly uh, will be inspiring to the reader. Uh, what did you hope to achieve by writing this? And are there other books that are similar to it in the marketplace? Well, the biggest thing in this book is to provide the education piece for people living and dealing with uh, epilepsy or other brain injury conditions. Um, because in the book, like I said, we start off with ed an education piece. It's written in layman's terms um, about what, what the different types of seizures and what epilepsy is, and then about living with it. And then I get into my own, my own story um, and what it was like concerning having a family, working, you know, getting through school, all those things, that the challenges that I had and how I, I made those challenges more than uh, letting it defeat me. Beautiful. Uh, and then the, uh, and I just forgot your question now. Well, that's okay. It was an important question, and I'm sure our listeners will remember it. I don't remember it either. Uh, <laughs> I just... No, I, I'm, I'm going back to it, though. It's, uh, um, no, that's... a second. It'll come back to me. This is part of my condition is sometimes I get into something and I, I forget what the original question was. Well, it takes a little while for it to come back to me. That's fine. If you ask my uh, wife about our conversations, uh, she'll think the same thing about me. And I have not had any major surgeries <laughs> of the type you have had. You're a counselor now, yeah. so you're sharing your uh, your story, your inspiration, and motivating others. Uh, that's commendable in its in its own right. Uh, this uh, is 238 pages. How long did it take, John, to complete? It took about two and a half years. Um, when I first wrote it, it was primarily more of a first-person kind of a thing. It was more like a diary kind of a book. Right. And then um, I tried to. I realized I needed to get it out to other people because so many of the folks who heard about my story through contact with me kept telling me I needed to, to share it and uh, to try to inspire other people to be able to, to live with their conditions. So what I did was then I tried, I had to go back and rewrite it um, and put it into a context that's much easier for people to read and understand. Beautiful. So like I said, I, the whole beginning of the book starts off about an education piece. And then everything else that I write about in the book is, it's, granted, it's my journey, but I also write it in, in bringing in other people and how other people motivated me. Beautiful. Uh, and... In the end of it, then I talk about, you know, I go through the whole part about the, the uh, surgery and all, and I sent that to the doctors who worked on me, and they said that you did, I did a pretty good job remembering everything that happened. <laughs> and and then um, I also then, as I was, became a counselor and started working on helping other people and all, I was, um, I wrote the caregiver section. 
And I really couldn't bring a close to the book until my neighbor, Lori, started having seizures. Um, she came over one evening and said she didn't feel good. And she really helped me understand more of what it's like to be a caregiver. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I became her primary supporter then and helping her deal with her seizures as she's recovered from a stroke. Oh, wow. Well, so actually, watching her have a seizure, I could see myself. Yes, incredible story, and and very important. You do talk about caregivers, and uh, I would say that uh, this caregiving uh, advice that's in your book would uh, translate to more than just those who are uh, caring for people with seizures and, and other issues. If they have a health issue of any type, being a caregiver is something that needs uh, advice and instruction and observations, and you have done so in your book. The title of which is Sailing Through the Storms of Seizures. Living with Epilepsy, Recovering from Brain Surgery, and Being a Caregiver. My guest, John Sadler. John, where do my listeners get a copy of your book? Um, they can get it uh, online. Um, they can get it through uh, Exodris, uh, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble. And is there a web page? You, ele- yeah. you can get it electronically, or you can get it uh, paperback or hardback. Have you have you started a website or uh, other uh, social media sites yet to, where people can connect with you? Uh, no, but there is a website that explains a lot more about the book and about myself, um, and it's uh, www.seizurestormsalltogether.com. Excellent. Well, thank you, John, for sharing your story, and uh, congratulations on uh, on your journey and where you are today. I'm 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 sure you're an inspiration to those that that you meet, and uh, certainly this book will be a uh, a wonderful guide for those who who need to be inspired about this particular topic, which uh, many of us are a little bit uh, confused about or don't know the details on. But also, if they're a caregiver of any type, they will benefit from from reading and getting your advice. Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. And uh, those of you who are doing a search for John, it's J-O-N Sadler, S-A-D-L-E-R. Do a search under that name and you'll locate this book. And I have a feeling there will be more in the future. Uh, and uh, you can also uh, connect with John there. Thanks again for joining me today, John. Thank you. My pleasure. For Ex Libris on Air, this is J. Douglas Barker. <laughs>